Hey everyone, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are here to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, doing episodes five and six as we were unable to do our regular recap uh, last week of episode five. And with the show coming to a conclusion, we thought it was appropriate to, to do both of them in one episode. And I, I really think that based on how these episodes go from the ending of five going into six, uh, I do kind of think of these as almost one long thing. Um, I even thought to myself when when watching uh, the season finale and then rewatching actually episode five that maybe these should have been combined. So that's that's kind of going to be my first um, my first question to you, Rob, as we start to discuss both of these episodes. What are your, like, what's your thoughts on these episodes back to back? And, you know, I feel like some of this show watching it back to back here was a little, some of the episodes just felt too short and I'm not sure if this felt, you know, if, if episode six was too short, it certainly was the longest episode we got, but I almost feel like this should have been like, instead of giving us the first two episodes at once, I, I almost feel like they should have gave us the last two episodes. Yeah. I think there was um, a good bit of, of drama drawn out by the ending of, of episode five, I think with her discovering um, the kind of that transmitter, the, the communicator device, um, you know, Obi-Wan really needs to think about encrypting his DMS a little bit better because uh, yeah, at least get some FaceTime action on there so that it, um, you know, she can't just open it and look at his messages. Um, I guess that's really one of the funny things is, like, Star Wars was always, you know, it was created in the 70s. And we've kind of talked about this before with uh, some of the stuff in, um, in in Mandalorian. Like, some of the ways that technology has advanced from what sci-fi gave us in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when, when sci-fi was really becoming a genre of, of storytelling and narrative. You know, they could have never imagined, you know, you look at some of the stuff they use in Star Trek, like the little communicators kind of look like a flip phone. You know, the computer graphics they use for targeting in Star Wars is still stuck in the 70s, regardless of how much better things have come. I mean, we've actually passed Star Wars a little bit in, in some of the ways that our society has advanced technologically. But, you know, they're kind of limited still with the, the level of tech that they had, you know, conceived of at the time to keep everything consistent. And I, I kind of find that charming about star wars that it's always going to be this time capsule sort of um that, that will always kind of follow those same rules and i sort of love that um but getting back to your question you know going back to back yeah i think for a large part of it you think about we we finally get some of reva's real story and we really get some moments with her doing more than just kind of being one note um a lot of it doesn't make sense to me um, I, I don't, I don't really understand why she's doing what she's doing. Um, but when you view these two episodes together, specifically from her, her standpoint, yeah, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Sorry. Had some, uh, difficulties there for a second, but you know, you, you get into episode five and I, I think, one of the things that stood out immediately and what fans had been waiting for um, was the justification of bringing Hayden Christensen back. Um, because for a while, it felt kind of just like lip service. Um, he was back. You had a couple of things. 
but really, you know, if you, you find out about the show and you do some research, he wasn't in the suit all that much. So, you know, fans were, I know at least things that I was listening to were, were really clamoring to, to see actual Hayden Christensen. And, you know, episode five starts off with what I thought was a, a great flashback um, with him and Obi-Wan battling, seeing just how aggressive, impulsive Anakin really is. And I really like the fact, you know, watching these episodes back to back is that you saw not only, you know, seeing in episode five, some of the fights when Obi-Wan fought Anakin that translates into later on in the episode, but also in episode six uh, in the season, well, the season finale, I'll call it, Obi-Wan turns around and uses some of those same things that Anakin used against him. So I I thought watching these episodes close together actually gave me uh, a better appreciation for some of the things that happened that we'll talk about later. Uh, But one thing that I want to, I want to get out of the way and Rob, we've talked about this so many times and it's just a, it's a star Wars staple. Uh, One of the things that took me out, of this fifth episode of Obi-Wan is the inability of stormtroopers to be anything, (laughs) but it, but idiots. And, you know, you know, what scene I'm talking about listeners know, you know, they're, they're trapped in the hangar. And I just, I've used this line before, but I don't know how you film something like that and look back at it. It's just, it's it took me out of that moment so bad because as I'm sitting there watching it, it, every single one of those people should be dead. They like even an idiot should be able to hit them at that range and that many people firing. And the fact that more stormtroopers are on the ground than you know, I'll just call them resistance people. I just don't understand it. I I do not understand how you film a scene like that because it really took me out of that part of the episode because it's just, they do not try to hide the fact that like people are standing almost shoulder to shoulder and and these stormtroopers are shooting in between the narrowest of gaps between people. I just, I don't know if it it bothered you as much or if you've just kind of said, well, it's Star Wars, but it, boy, it really took me out of that scene. Um, yeah, so there is, there's really a ton from from when the stormtroopers land and, and they're kind of sealed in that in that room in that kind of area that just absolutely you can you can pick apart and not even have to try very hard. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. So when this episode starts, it actually starts with a warning that some viewers may find some of what they're about to see disturbing. And initially when I saw that, I thought, oh God, they're going to show me clips from The Last Jedi. Um, I, it turns out it was just a trigger warning that they were going to kill young you know, little <laughs> kids. Um, little did I know they were just going to recycle a major plot point from The Last Jedi and put our heroes behind a sealed you know, gate and dug into a mountain while the Imperials are going to try to bust through the door to get to them. Little did I know that that they actually were going to give us a piece of the last Jedi. Um, And there's so much of this that is absolutely stupid. And you sit there 
and it becomes more obvious when you watch it a second time. But so many other things, like you know, the the lightsaber. So apparently, it can cut through doors now, right? So why right. did they even bother with the doorbuster? Like, if she could just walk up, stick her her lightsaber right in there, and just cut it wide open. Why did they do that to start with? And why did Kylo Ren not do that in the Last Jedi? <laughs> like, this is where this is where you know prequels get messy. And I'll talk about this a little bit later too. And I'm sure you will as well. You know, prequels make things not always make sense, and and that's just one that is um, it, it just it doesn't line up for me. Um, and then you get when Tala dies. You know, she sacrifices herself by tossing a detonator down the hallway. Holy crap, does that seem like that was effective, right? Why the hell mm-hmm. did they do that sooner? Yeah, there's there's just so many things that can cause, you know, moments. And although there's some very, I think, good things in this this episode, there's also just these almost scene-breaking habits where you know, again, we've we've called it plot armor for the main characters, you know, whatever you want to say, there's just a lot of that in this episode. And, you know, one of the the big ones that I'll get to in a minute before I, you know, I, I want to talk about the fact that not only is it great to see, you know, a, uh, actual Anakin Skywalker and Hayden Christensen, just every shot. And I mentioned this last time, every shot of Vader is just so well done in this episode. He's so he's so intimidating. The costume looks fantastic. You know, the costume looks fantastic. Obviously, the voice is iconic. But for everything that people might want to say Disney has done wrong with Star Wars since they've got it, I cannot think of anything that they have done wrong with Vader. It's, it's almost like there's an agreement in place that like, if you screw up Vader, we're taking the entire franchise away from you. So they're just like, they're like extra careful when they have him on screen because he is between these two episodes, this might be in any medium for me. And he's got some really good stuff in the comics. You know, this is, you know, when you were sitting back, maybe when you were a kid in A New Hope and you're, ma- you know, watching A New Hope or The Empire Strikes Back, you were probably making up scenarios like this in your mind that this guy was intimidating. What did he fight like? You know, you know, what was his fight scenes with a lightsaber when he wasn't fighting an old man? And I will tell you, I, I just again, I cannot say enough how top notch they they have Vader in this episode. 100%. And it feels, I think my thoughts mirror yours exactly in that there's there's things that Disney has certainly gone wrong with since taking over Lucasfilm. And there's even things within this series, while I've enjoyed the series overall, um, and, I, and I will think of it fondly, you know, in the future, there's absolutely moments that are head-scratchingly bad. But that being said, Anytime the black helmet and cape and the James Earl Jones voice and that the that iconic breathing sound are on your screen through your speakers, it works. It's effective, and you know it, it kind of 
really seals for me that Darth Vader is a, always has been for me the best villain in film. Um, I I won't accept any other answer. He's so good that you just you put him on screen and you almost can't screw him up because he's just that good. Yeah, I mean, you look at how he became not Darth Vader, but but how he became this iconic figure in the first place. It, he became this iconic figure and just this larger than life persona for fans. And not even just Star Wars fans, but for movie people around the world, like I think everybody knows who Darth Vader is, knows the costume, knows the voice, knows the sound. And it was done, you know, for a guy that is the overall almost crux of all things Star Wars. He did it with very little screen time in that original movie. He was not on screen long, but in a new hope, but he made a quick lasting impression that has gone on multiple decades to where people want to see more. And if you really dive into star Wars lore and read books, or even looked at some of the comics, some of the things that they have done with Vader is just, it's so well done. And it really makes me, we'll talk about this more. I don't want, you know, there, there's rumors of an Obi-Wan season two, and I really want a Darth Vader season, because if you take a look at his history and things that have happened in between A New Hope, what happened after Revenge of the Sith and him hunting down Jedi, or even things that he learns about Padme as he's Darth Vader, there are some really rich, engaging stories there. And it, it's just amazing. I, I agree with you, Rob. I I just cannot think of any other answer. Yes, there's some great, vi- like, there are some great villains, I think. You know, the Joker from The Dark Knight, you think Thanos. Um, but nobody, I think, has captured as many people uh, over the years as Darth Vader. You know, as much as I would love a Darth Vader limited run series, I almost don't. Mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain because my anxiety that they would screw it up, that they would introduce things that would be hard to line up with the character later. Um, because there's things like that here in this series um, would, would give me pause. It, it would, it would, worried me that they wouldn't be able to execute it but in terms of having stories that they could tell oh absolutely you know continuing to hunt down remaining jedi that's that's an easy one for them to do have him possibly show show the seeds of doubt that he truly does belong on the dark side you know show show moments of confliction within him you know that would be fun to see show Show us the openings of the cracks in the relationship between Vader and Palpatine. You know, those could be fun to play with. And I would love to see it, but I worry that it wouldn't, you know, it could get screwed up. Yeah, there's 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 always the risk of, yes, that might be, you know, I I'll compare it to maybe the Hulk in the MCU where it seems like, oh, everybody loves the Hulk in MCU, but I really, well, maybe not lately. I think he's gotten some more complaints as his character has evolved um, in this franchise. 
But one of the things that, you know, people like so much is I think the fact that you got him in small doses and when, you know, he is on screen for 15, 20 minutes, smashing things, being Hulk, then he has some small Bruce Banner moments. It's very easy to like all of that when you do have to fill out maybe a 45 minute episode of strictly, you know, Darth Vader, you might run into some problems. So I I certainly see where you're coming from and, uh, you know, why there would be hesitation that maybe too much of this character on screen um, could be a bad thing. And definitely, too, you certainly run the risk of things getting even further, you know, down the rabbit hole of like, yeah, it really doesn't make sense. There, there's certainly things in, in these episodes that I think, you know, really pause for question. And even when the prequels came out, I really think there were things that fans sat there and said, that doesn't make sense. Like, wait a minute. How were these things not remembered in the New Hope? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I will give credit to this episode again i there's a lot of good things about it one thing that i will say and it quickly backfired in the next episode but we'll talk about how it worked here uh this was the first time that i actually felt any type of way good bad and different um like really had a genuine emotion towards reva and her character I, i think this episode really did a good job i think you know there was always the kind of almost, yeah, we know it's coming, but I thought the way it was revealed, why she is with Vader, what happened, the flashback. I really liked how they did it. Now, again, if you stop for a second here, like we're doing to maybe talk about it, I don't understand how she survives twice um, when when literally nobody else can. Um and that's one of my problems with with the next episode. But I did actually feel for her character. I actually liked her in this episode and four episodes. I could have cared less about her. Uh, you know, we certainly talked about the terrible, terrible things that were being said. Um, and we certainly weren't in that category. It was just like, yeah, this character doesn't interest me. I don't think she has any appeal. Uh, but they managed to make her very interesting in this episode. And again, I will save that for when we're talking about the season finale because um, it quickly dwindled away for me. But I thought they actually did a, a really good job of making her likable, relatable, um, and almost to the point where you wanted to see her. Like, I, I wanted to almost see her get revenge, even though I know it's like, wait, if she gets revenge, that means she hurts vader like kills it like it was it was a weird turn to actually be like oh yeah like go go get him yeah so the you know the most obvious plot twist and i won't even call it a plot twist because everybody saw it coming yes she was a youngling yes she was there for order 66 that's why she you know has this stone which is very cut and dry when it gets to good and evil you know it's, it's it's so it's so simple to follow these things. Um, they they sadly don't have enough shades of gray. I don't think you know. And they have characters flip back and forth between light and dark, but they just don't have enough of, of kind of that in between. I, I guess maybe you could call them like the bounty hunters and things like that that you see. You can I guess you could kind of call them sort of the in between ones. But you know, for the most part, your main characters are either light or dark. And she, for whatever reason, 
after seeing all of her friends get murdered, just decided she was going to go murder the rest of the Jedi that were left. Um, and that was going to be her way of getting to, to Vader. Like, that I just didn't understand. Like, so she was so traumatized about all of these younglings getting murdered and all these other Jedi that she witnessed get murdered that she was going to go murder more of them. Like, that to me just didn't really line up. I, I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't think that worked for me. Um, so it... That, that kind of just felt dumb. And then a little bit later, once she captures Obi-Wan and he kind of recognizes that she's conflicted about what's going on and she's actually got a, another motive, you know, she brings him back inside. Like, that that to me, some, you know, that to me felt like, why would everybody else just kind of go along with that? Like, oh, you're going to take him back inside the sealed door and you're going to leave two guys with him to guard him that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn because they've got Stormtrooper aim? Yeah, of course he's going to overpower them. Like, why did that not trip anybody's like suspicion? I don't know. Um, I do agree though. This is this is the most we've seen from this character, and this is the most they've really given the actress the opportunity to work with. You know, that prior to that, she really didn't have much to to display because she wasn't her character wasn't given the opportunity to display more. Um, but I, I still don't. I'm I'm not 100 into some of the decisions they made. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I can I can certainly agree uh, where you're coming from. I think maybe we can both agree uh, her confrontation with Vader, I think, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's I enjoy it. I love the fact that, you know, this is, again, like a peak Vader that realizes like you're a child and he toys with her so much in that battle. Um, It's unbelievable. He doesn't even show her enough respect to take his own lightsaber out. He uses hers the entire time. Um, And even though it's a brief shot, the, the visual of Vader holding two sabers was literally like a heart pumping moment for me, but I just loved how casual Vader was with her in in that fight. That's one of the things that I think makes Vader just the the greatest villain. You know, he has no force to give just none, like absolutely Mm -hmm. none Mm -hmm. could not give one and seems bored about everything that's thrown in front of him. Like he he'll just walk forward, whatever's in his way, will just get tossed out of the way the way you chuck a piece of paper in a recycling bin. Like, dude could not care less. He's He's got his directive and he's walking towards it. And everything else is just the minutia of the day. Like, you know, it, you could see him going home and somebody saying, how was your day today, Lord Vader? And he'd be like, uh, you know, like it didn't even mm-hmm. register to him as a thing that he needed to discuss, you know, like. Um, and that's one of the things that just makes him just so cool of a villain that we love. Yeah, it, it certainly was. And just to see him actually moving, like he actually, you know, he really moves. He like ducks. He almost looks like he's doing the robot for God's sakes at one point. Um, but like actually seeing him move during fighting and not just being kind of like this lumbering presence was really cool as well to see him actually have a a fighting style. I really, really enjoyed. Now, one thing that happens directly after that scene, uh, especially given what we see of it in the next episode, 
the reveal that the original Grand Inquisitor is not dead, and again, I think everybody kind of saw that coming, really feels unnecessary based on the fact that what we get in episode six with this character, um, it's almost like it's a, it is a prelude to, okay, well, this character is going to show up in other medium, but it served nothing really. I felt like he served nothing in this, in this show. You know, it's kind of funny. You, I sort of forgot that they brought him back because I had just finished watching uh, episode six, uh, probably about 10 minutes before we went on the air. And it just didn't even occur to me that they brought him back only for him to not even appear. Um, and just as you were saying that, you know, it's like, okay, this feels like they intend to use him in some other way. You know, I kind of predicted we'd see some crossover between this show and the um, Jedi Fallen Order game series. We may not see it. Uh, we, we certainly didn't re really see it in the show, but I, I believe we'll still see something uh, maybe in the next game. Uh, perhaps it's him, you know, perhaps something to do with him still being around uh, factors into that. And that's that's kind of where you'll see a tie in. Yeah, I mean, he does show up in episode six for 10 seconds to tell Vader they shouldn't be pursuing Kenobi. Um, but he he literally pops up to speak his piece for a couple of lines and then boom, you just you never see him again. So I felt like yeah, that could have been anybody like that's right. So how, that's how little it registered with me. Like that line could have been given to anybody. It didn't mean anything that it was him. Yeah, it it also almost felt like in this show, just looking back at it as a whole, as we're, you know, talking not only about these two episodes, but let's, you know, we talk about the show. It, they almost feel like the Inquisitors in this show to a degree. They, they feel like the Knights of Ren in the sequel trilogy. They're supposed to be these big, bad, you know, this this big bad group and really what do we see them do in this show legitimate like what makes them you know what reva cuts off a hand in the one episode but what do we really see them do it, it's all background noise that these guys and you know reva are this group that hunts jedi for vader but you don't get anything it, it was the same thing with the knights of ren it it really felt, yeah, like these characters were just almost shoehorned looking back on this entire series to maybe again get them in an upcoming game, or you know, are they gonna cross over into Ahsoka? You know, what um what was their you know, besides Reva, really, what was their overall purpose? What were the other ones' purposes? To argue? Yeah, other than doing a bunch of infighting, um, it really didn't feel like like if you gave us if you get actually, if you only gave us Reva and didn't give us any of the other Inquisitors, does it change the show in any way? No, it it, it really doesn't. It, you know, you honestly could sit there and you could eliminate them, and you eliminate the fact that she's trying to be the Grand Inquisitor. She's just she's somebody who has pledged herself to Vader to hunt down Jedi. He knows that she's, you know, gonna turn against him. And nothing changes. You don't have to change any scenes. She can still go into town looking for Obi-Wan, 
cut somebody's hand off. She can still, you know, track down um, when they infiltrate the base. She can still be there, track them down. She can still have her interrogation with Leia. Um, Yeah, she doesn't need anything. She doesn't need any of those other people to enhance really her story like her getting grand inquisitor in the grand scheme of things doesn't really do anything like you she's know, the only thing it really does is it kind of shows that vader was always a, a, several steps ahead of her you know already knew that who she was already knew that she would try to betray him um and this is i think one of the you really kind of get it when at the end of, of episode six where you kind of have uh, we what I was afraid was going to happen, which was a helmet removal, and we got a, a partial helmet removal. There is such a marked difference between the characters of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. They really are two completely separate characters. Their speech mm-hmm. patterns are completely different. They don't like they don't use the same vocabulary. They don't talk the same way. They obviously they don't move the same way because one's you know three quarters a robot. But you know Anakin was never this smart. Darth Vader is smart. Like Anakin was powerful, but he was never really that powerful. Unless you, I mean, you can say it's the dark side of the force that gives him all that extra boost to his abilities. But you know, it's it just really feels like they are two completely separate characters, and it's been something that's kind of been bugging me this whole series, and it just became more and more obvious as it went. Like you know, Vader figured out who she was, knew who she was this whole time, knew that she would at some point try to. Um, you know, double cross him. And yet Anakin couldn't see that Palpatine was playing him, you know, like a puppet, you know, was pulling all of his strings, couldn't see all of these things happening right in front of him. You know, it's, it, it really does kind of not sit great with me. I, I wish that there would have been something to bridge that gap a little bit for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, again, I just take it as Anakin being so, you know, and I, I think you see some of that, you know, you see some of that invader in, in this show, um, but being impulsive, but really just driven by the fact that it, I will give credit to Palpatine throughout the prequel trilogy because, you know, he, he does play his cards right with Anakin and manipulates him and says things just right. Like it's almost like when you hear about subliminal messages and like songs or something like that, you know, it's, you know, he's talking to him and he's like, Oh yeah. Like great job, Anakin. Welcome. Like, welcome back from your mission. Dark side. Like, um, but I do feel that I, I really like that out. We'll save the episode six uh helmet stuff because i'm a huge fan but um it, it is really weird to me towards the end of this episode how again like i just don't understand how this character reva survives i i just i don't understand how you know she she's literally almost stuck with a lightsaber in the same spot qui-gon was and He's done. I, I just, I don't understand how she survived. And and that really bothered me, um, you know, at the end of this episode that it was like, oh, she clearly is going to live because I really thought that could have, like the way that she, you know, so, somewhat turned, I'll say, fights Vader and goes out. I was like, you know what? It took five, you know, it, 
four episodes of not caring and all you needed was one episode for me to be like, you know what? She like she's all right in my book. Like you ended her story on a note that kind of makes me forget about the previous four episodes. Um, They almost had me. And then it was just like, oh, well, since you liked, you know, geez, you like two of those. Here's here's a third one. And uh, I'm I'm full, man. I, I, I can't eat a third one. Yeah, um, it's they kind of play fast and loose with um, damage and how it works. Um, sometimes a lightsaber, if it touches you at all, you die. Um, sometimes if it goes through your guts, you die. And sometimes you live. Sometimes when a blaster hits you, literally anywhere you die. And sometimes um, you live. Sometimes you live long enough to throw a detonator down the hallway. Um, like it's, it doesn't really feel consistent. Um, and I mean, I, I agree. I would have loved to have seen her story just end there. Like she, you know, made a valiant effort to get her revenge, to try to bring down this, this murderer, um, that, that kind of put the whole galaxy under this, you know, fascist thumb that became the empire. And instead she survives. Now, I, I think you can still literally have the entire next episode with another Inquisitor. There's no reason why the Grand Inquisitor couldn't have picked up that that uh, little uh, messenger and kind of saw what was going on and tried to ingrain himself to Lord Vader and went himself. Or a different Inquisitor who was trying to work his or her way up the ranks. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just... It, you know, we'll get, I guess, into it more when we get into six. I don't understand how she flips back i don't i actually really dislike it and i don't think it makes a lot of sense it's not explained well yeah because i i still I, I watched the episode twice i don't understand like why does she really actually go after like why does she go after luke like may i i don't know maybe i'm just really stupid at the end of this episode but she what said is her about for justice? But justice for what? What did Luke do? Like, R- how right. is killing Luke going to affect Vader? But yeah, because I'm just like, does she know that Luke is like? It's not established that like all of a sudden she knew like, oh my god, Anakin Skywalker had kids. Luke's one of them. I'm going to tell Vader that he has a child, and then I'm going to kill him. So like. I don't understand who the revenge was on. Like, is she back to being mad at Obi-Wan because he wasn't there when she was trying to fight Vader? Like, who is this necessarily getting revenge on? Like, there's a lot more Jedi who weren't there to protect her either. And she doesn't have this crazy hard on for any of them. It's just him for whatever reason. Like, there was a bunch of Jedi that weren't there. There's a bunch of them. Like she doesn't feel that way for Ahsoka. Like she doesn't feel that way for, I don't know, whatever, however many are actually still alive at this point. Right. It doesn't like, she just decides, okay, she makes this valiant turn towards the light or, or even if you don't want to say it, she's turning towards the light because she's really acting impulsively and, and out of revenge and with aggression. So I guess that's really still more of a dark side thing, but you know, she she tries to do what feels like the right thing to those of us watching. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, I'm going to go to that sand planet and wipe out this kid. Right. Because, 
reasons. Yeah, it's it's to give her two feel good moments for the audience, but the second one just comes across, you know, it does not land. Um, like I said, I I would have been on board with her character and all would have been forgiven had she died in this episode because I felt the reasoning would have I I hate to say justified with somebody dying. But just in terms of that character arc, it would have felt like actual closure um, on that character. But one thing, you know, we mentioned how great he is. And just to mention the scene, when he walks through, um, when Vader is walking through the the pile of, of bodies again that are somehow all stormtroopers, um, him force pulling that ship and just ripping the door uh, again, just peak Vader, just a total badass. And it was, you know, when when you sat there and thought, OK, what would I want from Vader, you know, in this show? I think they just for ninety nine point six percent of Vader, they nailed it. Oh, I loved it when he just kind of grabs it. Now, what I'm a little confused is I'm not 100%. Like, I, I watched it twice, and I still don't feel like I would 100% know what was going on there. So they had somebody else in the ship, or was it on autopilot that was supposed to take off as the decoy? And then while he was distracted with that, they took off in the other one, hoping that he wouldn't just grab that one too. Like, I'm, I was a little confused by that. Yeah, that was uh, from what I saw. That was like an autopilot ship um, that they used as the distraction to let them get out of there. Um, you know, it's the the Chewbacca and the the Rise of Skywalker. You you don't see the other ship that's clearly right there. Um, <laughs> but so you know, Episode Five comes to an end We're we're going to go into episode six and talk about, you know, the direct continuation, but anything else that you want to mention from episode five before, you know, we start and maybe we backtrack a little bit talking about some of the things that happen in six that are tied to five. Uh, but anything specifically you want to mention before we start talking about episode six, you know, nothing about five, but I do want to, I do want to say that I feel like in the period of time since we recorded last, I've actually grown to hate the whole trench coat hiding Leia inside of it thing from the, the fourth episode even more. Like I yeah. hated it when we were on the air and I've, I've hated it even more in the time after that. I'm not sure that that, that decision, um, that creative decision is getting anywhere near the shade that it probably should. And it's just, it, it actually bothered me <laughs> watching with that episode. Like, why, hold on, why are we letting this get off the hook without even more hate? Because it deserves more. But oh, uh, as yeah. far as episode five, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So we, we get into the season finale. Uh, first thing that when I clicked on this episode, um, well, clicked on Disney Plus, and I had to wait, actually. Um, I mean, you said you finished it. Now, was this your second watch through? No, I only I only got through uh, the first. I, I somehow managed to go a whole day and a half without uh, okay. being hit by spoilers. So, yes, I've only seen it just the, the one time this evening. Yeah, so I was, um, I was chomping at the bit. I was actually, um, 
I was in Syracuse for work for a, a training program, and I literally was there from the day that Obi-Wan came out. I was at work 830 to seven o'clock at night, and I was just like chomping at the bit. I, <laughs> I, I stayed I'm off. You didn't get up at four o'clock to watch it. I know I, I stayed off my phone. Um, you know, the only thing I got is I got a text message from my son that was like, oh, this app, ep- like this episode hits. Um, but yeah, I, I stayed off of every, you know, I stayed off of Facebook. I stayed off of Instagram. I stayed off of TikTok because people, you know, posting videos and things like that. Um, I stayed away from everything to, to see this episode. And when I clicked on Disney plus the, the first thing that I did, like I enjoyed right off the bat is, and it sounds weird, but I saw that 52 minute mark on the screen. I was like, okay, it, at least we've given ourselves, you know, some extended time uh, with this episode. And, and there's a lot that I like about episode six. Um, there's a couple things that I want to get out of the way. And we talked about it. Number one is anytime it cut back to Riva, I was just not interested because you once again managed to make me go, I don't care. Um, her her moment of I couldn't do it. What does this make me? Am I him? I just know you, you had an opportunity. I really think they blew it making her likable and really i just again i have no interest to see where this character goes because she's she's alive for some reason there are a lot more star wars projects in the works and i just i cannot see her not showing up in one but i also i just have no interest in her story i i have no interest in it's somebody who I don't know is trying to make amends or go like it does not interest me at all. Um, that that's the first thing with, with episode six that I was just like, stop cutting back. Like you could have cut to really anything else, and I probably would have been okay with it. Like I just I, I did not appre- I shouldn't say appreciate. That's such a weird word to say for it. Um, it, it just did nothing for me in this episode. Uh, yeah, it um, it really it really wasn't set up well at all. Like like we had just got done saying, you know, why does she just kind of flip back? You know, she she has this moment, but if they had done anything to justify it at the end, like so, she picks up this reporter, and I honestly thought for a little bit that when she picked the recorder up and realized that there was you know this other boy that was somehow involved that maybe she was going to go try to protect him, save him, do something. You know, I, I even halfway when she shows up at their house kind of expected her because I, I kind of noticed like she's blocking the blaster fire, but she's not really doing anything offensive. Right. So I kind of thought, okay, is she eventually going to be like, Hey, hold on, wait, there's been a misunderstanding. I'm here to help. Like I, I kept expecting that because frankly, it made no sense why she was there to attack Luke, like it just didn't. Why? What was her end game? What was her goal? So she she kills this kid. What was she gonna do next? What what was after that? What's her end game? Right. Yeah. No. There there definitely wasn't a a reason for that. Unless I again, unless we miss something, and somebody listening to the show is gonna you know email or something in the coming days and say, hey, 
you know, idiots. <laughs> you totally missed a plot point. Um, but I definitely did not see it. And, you know, I, I will say, though, uh, and again, I want to get these things out of the way, at least from my standpoint of the things I didn't like about this episode. I did get a little bit tired of the, okay, Obi-Wan needs to make a speech that he needs to go and he needs to confront Vader. They, you know, this will buy you time. I mean, we literally just saw that in episode five and I didn't say this, but you know, that line of how much time do you need to override the doors? Three to four hours. You have one. Okay. I can make that work. Then why the hell weren't you just trying that in the first place? Like, what, you know, deal. right. Yeah. Whenever, like, whenever that happens, I just laugh because it's like, you are like, even in the face of death, you're a procrastinator. Like, give me a break. Like, I could get this done in an hour, but I'll just let it take three to four. I, I who cares if, if they get here, they get here. Um, I mean, you got to fit in those union coffee breaks. I mean, that's just right. You'll get a grievance if you don't do that. Exactly. But I, I did feel like there were a lot of repeated, you know, dialogues between episode five and six in terms of going to confront Vader. And granted, that's what we all want. But just the way that it was set up, it was literally almost identical in episode five and episode six of them being in a spot, being nervous. Obi-Wan makes a speech. You don't need to do this. Yes, I do. Goodbye, Leia don't leave i have to go take care of her all right i'm leaving wow i think you just summarized five and six pretty quickly there it's, <laughs> it's the same thing it's the same. yeah and then not only not only do they copy that but once again we have another moment that was ripped directly out of the last jedi because we've got another giant star destroyer you know giant capital ship chasing a smaller ship mm -hmm. and they can't catch them because reasons i guess um, and it's like literally like a bus. It's like a bus, right? Like they couldn't dispatch a, a whole armada of TIE fighters to just right. get this thing out. Like, this thing, like I don't know. You know, they couldn't just jump to light speed and annihilate them in the process. Like, I don't know. It's, that just really didn't work for me. And there's so many great emotional moments in this that when, when you have these other parts in it, it, it pulls you out of it and it takes time to pull you back in. I find sometimes, um, I, and then the other, so then, uh, Obi-Wan says, no, he's after me. So he, he, uh, takes a, a, a escape pod and goes to this other planet knowing Vader's going to follow him. How does he know that the Star Destroyer isn't just going to continue on after the people that he just completely abandoned? Now they've got no defense at all whatsoever. Like, right. How does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'll go this way. You go that way. Okay. Well, Vader ship will go this way and the star destroyer will go that way, but keep going that way. You know, I, I, I will say, and Rob, let me know if, if you know what I'm talking about or if we should save this, I did feel that one scene with Vader was shot completely out of order. And We'll talk about the fight with Obi-Wan. Everyone knows that's coming. You know, the, the clash of the century, the battle you've been waiting for. But what happens after it, I actually thought was shot out of order um, when Vader does talk to a certain character. D did you find that scene weird? And we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. 
But did you feel that that was shot in in reverse order? Something about it did seem a little bit off, but I'm not sure I was able to fully put my finger on it. All right, so let's let's talk about we'll talk about the fight scene and we'll talk about the aftermath. And you get you get what you what you want. And I think for most fronts, I think this battle delivered. You get Obi-Wan, you get Darth Vader face to face. You get what I call the just again, if you've if you've watched Rebels and you've watched Clone Wars, you know, it's it's in the movie. He certainly doesn't more in the show uh, in, in the cartoons. But you get the I call it iconic Obi-Wan Kenobi pose, the two fingers pointing out the have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? I will do what I must. I really like that. And you get a really good battle. And I do like how Vader, once again, he started off cocky. You can tell, you know, he's holding the lightsaber with one hand and he very quickly realizes and then he mentions it that Obi-Wan's a lot more powerful. And you can see Vader quickly turning to actually taking this fight very seriously. Uh, I did like that. Uh, and I also really liked how there were moments from the flashback in episode five that made its way um, into this fight where Obi-Wan mimics some of the moves that Anakin used on him while he was fighting Vader. There's even a small moment. And, and by the way, I did, this is, you know, up there with some of the best lightsaber battles we've gotten in star Wars. I, I think from, you know, the, the, the the darkness really makes it the the fact that it's in low light with the lightsabers oh, yeah. doing most of the illuminating is is one of the things that really makes this work. Oh yeah, and and we kind of like the scene cuts in and out. You know, it jumps to other things that are happening and then goes back to them. But when you when you view it as a whole, you know, I think it's it's up there with some of the best lightsaber fights that that we've gotten from Star Wars. Um, you know, even something simple. There's a there's a moment. Um, where Obi-Wan kind of parries the attack by taking his lightsaber and holding it directly behind his back, um, which is, is actually something Anakin did in, in this, in episode two. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because um, it's, it's the exact, and what jumped out to me was it was something we used to make fun of. Um, before I got into the business world, I, I had a, a brief career in live theater, uh, particularly with an emphasis in, in fight choreography. And we used to kind of make fun of that exact move all the time because it it it, all, it absolutely doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it actually puts you, there's so many easier ways to block that. It's it's all for show. Um, so it's something that the, the group of friends that I had that were in that community, we used to just laugh at all the time. So I recognized it immediately. Now I don't know if that was intentional or not, that they, they pulled uh, a, a parry directly from Anakin's backlog, but I caught it, and, I, and I'm going to say that it was intentional. That's that's my head cannon. They did that intentionally. Um, it, it was really kind of it, it was a great scene, and they had it, it was a good balance between you know actual saber fighting and force use. Uh, Obi Wan gets completely buried in rubble, and that was just this cool moment. And then he kind of you know thinks about Luke and Leia and. Obi-Wan's heart grew three sizes that day and he can, bust through it now and, you know, he's, he's the Obi-Wan that saved life day or whatever the star Wars version of Christmas is. Um, even though we don't acknowledge the holiday special because it's terrible. Um, just the whole thing was, was great. Um, one line of complaint. Um, why does he not finish the job? Why does he not finish the job, Matt? 
because right. it seems to me that like let's he, just go ahead and get into it. Like he, he saves a lot of he galaxy. saves a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, you could have really saved a lot of suffering all throughout the galaxy by just completing what you weren't able to do in episode three on Mustafar. Yeah, so there is probably a lot. Um, and I haven't, I haven't read a lot, but I'm sure there will be a lot as people are analyzing, you know, and, and talking about why this didn't happen. And you talked about the helmet scene. It's, you know, basically it's taken right from rebels. Just a different side of his helmet is cracked. I thought this scene worked immensely well. I liked the cutting between Anakin's voice, Vader's voice, but I thought this scene and I, I how I interpreted what you were saying. I don't know if you liked this scene as much as, as I did or even like this scene. So I'm going to go with what, what I think first. Um, I enjoyed it for the simple fact that I shouldn't say the simple fact, but I enjoyed it for the fact that it almost felt like to me, my interpretation is this is still, and you get glimpses of this is you get glimpses of this in the original trilogy where there is still Anakin inside Vader, even though he says you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. There's still parts of Anakin that are there and that's fleshed out way more in the comic books. Um, if you've read any of these Darth Vader comics, but I also like the subtlety of how, when he was saying those lines, he was illuminated by blue in the lightsaber and not red almost like he in a way was giving Obi-Wan the, the clarity and the ability to move on from what happened. You know, he still has, you know, grief and regret about what happened with Anakin, but you know, he realizes, and I think it plays into the, he's more machine now than man, you know, Anakin's gone when he's in a new hope. But I feel like that was actually a really good way to connect where Obi-Wan is in, in a new hope and why maybe he did let him like, he doesn't even say goodbye to, he doesn't even say goodbye to Anakin. He says then Rob, does he say then my friend is truly gone or does he say that my friend is truly dead? It's one of those two. I don't remember the exact okay. line. Yeah, but he says goodbye, Darth. And I thought that was actually really telling that. And again, it's it's stupid when you stop and think about it, because you could just you probably save a lot. But who knows? Maybe Obi-Wan saw forward and like he has to, you know, we won't get to where we need to be if Darth Vader is destroyed now. Who knows? Um Obi-Wan I'm sure I was using the eye of Agamotto. Right. On the future. Exactly. But I really liked the helmet scene. I really did. Um, I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed the dialogue. I enjoyed him really accepting in that moment that Anakin is gone. Um, you know, for Obi-Wan, Anakin is gone. There's there's no chance to to save, you know, him now um in this current uh moment or this current time so i enjoyed that and then 
I'll, I'll let you go and then I'll get into what happens after he leaves him and why I feel like it's shot way out of order. Uh, so I'll let you go with your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, I when we knew that Hayden Christensen was for sure coming back and was attached to this and was doing press for this, it was hard. I, I expected a couple of things out of this show. I, I actually expected this show to be kind of what we got at the end of episode six was the Inquisitors trying to go after Luke for some reason um, and Obi-Wan mostly having adventures on Tatooine protecting him. That's sort of what I thought it would be about. And we actually got a little bit of that, but it was, you know, the last 20 minutes of the sixth episode. Um, I, I thought for sure we would get some kind of flashback to the two of them together before Order 66, before his turn to the dark side. You know, I thought we'd get something, and we did get that. And I also kind of figured, okay, with him officially coming back, I saw there was no way that we didn't get some kind of helmet removal, or we, we didn't get a chance to see Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. Um, I thought we'd probably get, you know, and when I say helmet removal, you know, even like having it banged up a little bit so you see a little bit of him, you, you hear him delivering Vader's lines. Um, and it, it was okay. I, I was afraid that it was going to, you know, we talked a lot about remove the helmet, don't remove the helmet when, it, when we were doing the Halo reviews, um, for better or for worse. This didn't bother me. This was, this was okay. I, I will probably have to watch it a second time to really be able to crystallize my feelings around it, but I thought it was fine. I, it didn't bother me the way that I was afraid it was going to, um, and I guess I would say I actually enjoyed it. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, now, he lets Vader go. He walks away, um, and then we get, which, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed, but we get a very brief appearance from Palpatine um, looking a little bit younger, so to speak, than we saw him in the, <laughs> you know, um, but I enjoyed it. However, again, what took me out of that scene and why I feel it was shot completely out of whack is the last time we saw Vader, he was messed up. Half of his helmet was, you know, he's got a cut in his helmet. His suit is sparking. And then he's just sitting there in a brand new suit. And I, I just felt like that scene should have been when he says, we're going to go after Obi-Wan. I almost felt like that scene should have been on the ship and Palpatine asking Vader, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, why are you going after like, why are you going after him? Your feelings are clouded if you can't let go of your own life. It just felt weird to see him so messed up and battle damaged. And then just to see him sitting there like completely fine. I, I just felt like that scene should have been shot before he went and confronted Obi-Wan. Well, maybe he had the Mark II suit sitting around ready to go. That, right. Uh, yeah. Came out of R&D and he was like, oh, I'll just go put this one on now. Um, it, that felt a little odd. I I think that scene would have been it's super cool seeing him in his throne room like the like don't get me wrong I like that but right. it would have maybe felt more natural if this was like a conversation they're having you know with force time like while he's in a uh, in a back to tank or something like that that probably would have felt a little more natural and then and then you actually get more like FaceTime with Hayden Christensen like you could have you could have done it that way um, I I think it 
I don't want to say it was a clumsy way of doing it, but again, going back to one of my major concerns for this series was how do you make a, a prequel work? How do you send these characters that we already know what happens to them in their futures, how do you send them on specific adventures that they never reference later, that never turns into anything else that feels like a conflict with the story later? And to me, it felt like Palpatine kind of scolding him for this vendetta against Obi-Wan was a way of the show kind of trying to button that up so it feels natural that Vader doesn't pursue Obi-Wan any further before the events of A New Hope. That's really what it felt like to me. And I, and I don't want to say I would call it a clumsy way of doing it, but there's other things I think they could have done that would have felt a little neater, a little tighter, a little it would have made a little more sense to me. Yeah, I think that so my interpretation, because I, I have seen a lot of things on this, like, why does Palpatine not care uh, about Kenobi? And I think because of the fact that he still senses conflict in Vader, you know, and calls him out on that in this episode, I think he deliberately, you know, he knows Obi-Wan's not going to be able to rebuild the Jedi or he doesn't think that's going to happen. So he purposely keeps Vader away from him in the fear that Obi-Wan could maybe turn Vader against him. Um, I, I think maybe that's why. And again, maybe that's it's lazy or it's just convenient. But I do feel because I, I did see a lot of people going. So in nine years, because the show ends and then nine years later is when we get to a new hope. Um you know, so for nine years, Vader didn't think to go back to Tatooine, like, and see if Obi-Wan's or like, or never heard about Obi-Wan being there. Cause it, it doesn't seem like for nine full years, Obi-Wan's just laying low. It seems like he's going and he's going to help people again and not going to try and be super discreet about it. So I do think it was maybe Palpatine keeping Vader away from him in fear that Obi-Wan might actually get him. To turn. Yeah, you know, you kind of started to touch on something that I want to get into a little bit more. So, you know, again, getting into problems that exist with prequels with established characters in an established story. So at the beginning of this, what do we see Obi-Wan doing? He's he's a humble meatpacker. He, he's leading kind of a shitty life, really. Like, he's he's depressed. He doesn't really have a creed anymore. You know, he's just existing. He's trying to get through. He, he maybe is, you know, he's keeping tabs on Luke, so he's at least doing that much. But outside of that, you know, he's he's leading, you know, he basically lives in a trailer park walking around with, like, you know, cigarette burns and a wife beater. Like, that's kind of his life, right? And by the end of this, he's using the Force again. He's the Obi-Wan, that the hero Obi-Wan that we remember from the prequel trilogy. You know, he's kind of back to that guy. So to think that he just, you know, screws off to the desert to hang out with Qui-Gon a little bit and, and doesn't, he, he's aware there's a resistance building. He's aware that there are people who are trying to escape these inquisitors. He's aware that there's people being killed and tortured by these people to think that this version of Obi-Wan we see at the end of episode six just turns a blind eye to all that feels odd to me. Yeah, no, I mean, that really is that really is a good point. And there are certain things that I, it's just like, I, I don't think you can explain. 
um, unfortunately. So what I've kind of done with this, and it, and you know, I, I want things to make sense, and and to some extent, we can blame one of our favorite things in the entire world for this, the MCU, everything being connected, everything having these massive, overarching stories and interconnected webs that are all being woven together, and it's only getting more complex with the multiverse being introduced, and who knows what that could mean. Because the MCU makes all of the money with everything they do, and certainly it's been good for Disney, is that where some of these things, you know, they, they want to tie this in. Now they want to tie that and they want to make all this connect. They want to make all this, you know, and and as much as I like it when things connect and, and connect well, and, you know, we certainly talked about it on the show before that the MCU there's a, there's a few continuity gaps. There's a few things that, that don't really line up. There's a couple times they contradict themselves, but largely it's been incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Um, largely. Are we seeing that influence now flow over into other intellectual property? And, and I think as much as I love when things connect and connect well, because it was planned that way. Star Wars was never planned to do that. You know, George Lucas could have never imagined streaming television on something called Disney Plus that I would watch on my Xbox, you know, 30, 40 years after he made the, A New Hope back in the day. Um, he could have never imagined it would have turned into this. So what I've kind of done with some of these things, just so that I can not kind of stress myself out about wanting to force it to make sense, is really just take each piece of this on its own. It's, right, it's telling right. its story. I would love for it to connect when it doesn't really seem like it connects. I'll, I'll recognize it, but I'm not going to ultimately let it really crush my enjoyment of it because, you know, I, I, I think I'm able to do that with Star Wars in a way that I'm not with other things for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. So we... We get to the end of the episode. Um, eventually, Obi-Wan gets to see Luke. He gives the hello there line. Um, I, I do think it's funny that he's like, hey, do you want to meet him? Great. Now piss off. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, never come back again. Right. Exactly. Like, all right, you get one time. Now make it good and get the hell out of here. Um, but I, I'm going to ask how you feel about it. Cause it, it's exactly what I wanted. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this guy in the first place. What are your thoughts on the final cameo that we have in this show? You know, we thought it would be sooner. We thought it would happen. I thought it would happen a couple of times, particularly with the way that Yoda leads Obi-Wan when the two of them talk to each other last, um, you know, that Qui-Gon's got more training for you to do. Um, it's interesting that, you know, kind of how they wrap that up. I was, I was happy that we finally got it. Um, I thought it was adequate. I thought it was fine. I, I liked it. Um, it didn't do anything completely over the top and I don't know that it needed to. I think if it would have been something really big and massive, it might've been not the, not the story they were telling. Yeah. I, so in my own, in my own head, I have come up with a scenario that he saw Qui-Gon because he finally let Anakin go that he was not able to see when Qui-Gon says to him, you weren't, I was always here. You weren't ready. Uh, I have made my own interpretation that because he let Anakin go, he was actually able to see Qui-Gon 
because he felt so much guilt about not being able to protect Anakin that subconsciously he didn't want to see him. Um, and now that he's been able to kind of let go of that burden, Qui-Gon, he's able to now commune with him. I like that. Um, that's my head cannon now too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I did enjoy this episode again. There was just a couple things that, you know, again, that, that shot of Vader talking to Palpatine, I thought was a little bit out of order. Um, but I thought a very good episode. I thought that it wrapped up rather nicely and really, again, just the, the minor thing. I, I wish they would have ended on episode five with Reva, but I do think they got more right with this episode than they got wrong. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and I know that I just kept on saying that I'm typically looking at this just in its own right. I'm not trying to make it make a lot of sense. But, you know, he's got this really great emotional send off with Leia. And then yes. Luke, which is nice, right? And they have this whole adventure together. So that felt appropriate. That felt like the right thing to do there. So later on in, you know, the original trilogy, when Luke is, is upset at the death of Obi-Wan, you know, at no point is Leia like, yeah, I, I get it, man. That's, that sucks that he's gone. Um, you know, he was, so, you know, he, he rescued me one time when I was really in a bad way. He was a great man. I, I agree. Like, <laughs> it does yeah. feel a little weird, but um, okay. I, I, whatever. What, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Like you said, you can't, everything can't line up, um, unfortunately. So let's take a second to, you know, let's talk about this show because we, we really just talked about the two episodes. And I, I think now is a more appropriate time how we have a, a rating system of our watch rating, I, I think is now a more appropriate time to talk about this season as a as a whole and where you would have the watch rating for this show is is this something that you would watch again based on how it ended maybe you want to go back and you know maybe you'll have a better appreciation understanding of things that happened in you know the first couple episodes where, where would your watch rating lie for obi-wan as a whole now Cause like, I know I would not watch Halo again. Um, you know, right. the, the, the last show that we did together, um, for streaming, I know I would not watch that again. That would be a low. What would, what would Obi-Wan be? Is this something that you will, you know, actively seek to watch again? So I think for me, it's important to kind of, um, I don't rewatch TV shows in general. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not the kind of person that. You know, I, I struggle to think of TV series that I've watched more than once, um, and I really can't. And part of that is because there are so many TV series that I would like to watch that I haven't, that it's hard for me to justify re-watching something that I already have. So take, when I give my rating, take that for what that's worth. I will re-watch films, um, but that's because it's a two-hour commitment. It's not a, you know, 48-episode commitment. Um, it does help that this is only six. Yeah, I, I think um, to me, I actually give this a low watch rating because for that reason, because 
it's not that the show was bad. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's not that I didn't look forward to each new episode. It's just I, I'm not sure why I go back and rewatch this. You know, what is it that I'm going back for? Um, gotcha. I think I think the best moments are YouTubeable, and I'm going to just invent a verb there. Um, you know, the the battles with between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. You know, those were those were pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I'm. I, I, I struggle to think about, you know, unless I just decide someday the kids and I are like, hey, Dad, let's watch all of Star Wars start to finish. Like, we just do it sequentially. Like, I, I don't know why else I would revisit this series. And again, it's not that it's bad. Just it's your life. Trying. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know what the circumstances are where I'm like, hey, let me put that on again. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly understand that. For me, I think this is... For me, this is a medium watch rating. I would go back and I would rewatch this. I do think there are some things that I would, you know, give my attention to as this is going on. I, I certainly would not sit in front of the TV and be glued to every single episode. Uh, but I would give this a medium, especially if for some reason I was doing, you know, a, a Star Wars marathon or rewatching some some events i would certainly sit there and say look if you're gonna ask me hey are we gonna watch you know the phantom menace and attack of the clones i would say can we just watch all six episodes of obi-wan instead um maybe that's maybe that's not the best thing to compare it to and i'm sure if i said hey rob we're like hey we had plans we're gonna hang out like but it's either we watch the last Jedi or we watch Obi-Wan again. I'm sure. We would. Yeah. You'd be like, well, Obi-Wan it is. Um, Obi-Wan it is. <laughs> so I would give this a medium though. I do think that, you know, there are some, some good things in this series that you can rewatch again. It would not have me sitting with just complete attention throughout every single episode, but with that being said, not only the watch rating, where would you rank your reels for, I'll, I'll let you do episode five, episode six, and then give me your reels for the season as a whole. So episode five, three and a half reels, episode six, um, four and a half reels, um, season as a whole, you know, I give it five. Um, I, I'm kind of tempted I'm sorry, four, uh, 4.5. Um, I'm kind of tempted to go a little bit lower than that just because there were so many things that, um, you know, just kind of dumb, kind of don't make sense, mm -hmm. kind of don't work. Like there's, even if you are doing a rewatch, there's, there's whole moments, you know, minutes at a time that you just skip is like, this is dumb. Like, get me past this. You um, and McGregor, though, has been fantastic. Uh, throughout yep. this whole series his going on his emotional journey seeing where he is seeing him grow in these six episodes that would be the reason to rewatch this um just absolutely fantastic the the emotional beats that need to hit he hits and even when he's not speaking the emotion on his face reads so well i almost feel like as good as he is speaking I kind of feel like he's even more effective in this series 
when he's not speaking his his yeah. unspoken communication i felt like i could feel his heartbreak i could feel it you know his his hope to get them out of this his love for leia his heartbreak at, at failing his mother at failing his father at failing the republic and and trying to do right by her i felt that in, in every glance that he gave um so 100 percent um you know ewan mcgregor's was fantastic um vivian blair as little leia um i'd watch a whole series with her she was I, great she was fantastic um nailed everything she needed to do um we've talked about it before but you know you think about how iconic the character of princess leia is and all the reasons why she's iconic you see the beginnings of that woman in this kid um just very very well written great uh great scripting with her great dialogue and a great performance um 100 so um those two things right there i you know I, there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really work but I'm, I'm gonna go four and a half because i really enjoyed this series even for all the stuff that i hated mm -hmm. but that's star wars for you that's just what it is yeah you're not gonna love it all the time like not everything can be season two of the mandalorian not everything can be empire strikes back not everything can be rogue one like there's there's some crap in there too but we still come back to it because we just love star wars yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of this, it, it is, it's clear, what, it's clear how Leia grows up into, and again, that was something that surprised me about this series, is this was more about like, wow, I can, I can 100% see how Leia is, how she is when we get to, you know, her character in A New Hope, um, it, it, this actress, this kid did a fantastic job of portraying where she would be as an adult. I was amazed by the performance. Um, I like, it's almost wonder making me wonder if they did do a season two of Obi-Wan, would it be more of Luke's story? And we see how Luke is kind of the way he is and how he starts to get interested in the rebellion and the empire and where his character is, because the Luke that we see at the end, there's really no indication that he's just going to like get all gung ho crazy about this stuff and, and want to go off. Um, but I, I did really like her episode five. I'm going to give a four uh, on the real scale. Uh, episode six, I would give a four and a half. The show as a whole, I would give a four. Um, there are things that, you know, I do dislike about this. I do think it's there's enough wrong with this series to give it a full reel, even though there are some things that I absolutely love. I think they got right. And it was really just cool seeing, you know, Hayden Christensen back, seeing Ewan McGregor back. And really, I have a, a lot of respect for those two, you know, and as time has gone on, Rob, we certainly talked about this before. I won't, you know, stay long on this point. But as the prequels, you know, get more and more respect, and that certainly has happened, Rob. We've we've certainly seen a shift in, you know, the the prequels not getting as much hate as they used to. I think a lot of that hate has turned now towards the sequel trilogy, um, and. and 
the prequel trilogy has kind of gotten a pass, but I'm sure money helps. I'm not sure how much they got paid to do this, but there seemed to be a genuine feeling, a reaction, a want, a desire to come back to these characters. They were both very believable if you saw their interviews about wanting to come back and reprise these roles. And I have a lot of respect for that, especially for a lot of the hate that, and you know, you and McGregor didn't certainly get a lot of hate. A lot of people talked about how, you know, they liked him, but the movies that he was a part of and certainly Hayden Christensen for how people criticized him, um, you know, to kind of, live and let go so to speak to come back to this franchise and seem to have a really good time with it um i I respect that because they could have very just easily have said yeah no forget that like again we've said no fan base hates star wars you know nobody hates star wars as much as star wars fans they could have very easily said no we're not doing this um I, i like i i know what happened before it took me all of these years to finally kind of let that go and be like I sick and tired of being called names or whatever the case may be. Um, But I respect that they came back and, you know, what I felt did a very good job. It was, again, it's cool as corny as this sounds to see Hayden Christensen get a measure of what's the word I'm looking for redemption, so to speak. Um, and, and to, you know, just to, again, with the interviews and to see the reaction and even see his emotion sometimes hearing people cheer for him and the genuine excitement to see him back um, as a Star Wars fan that gave me emotion um, to, you know, in, in, enjoy this show and enjoy him being there. And again, they certainly did a, a lot of things right with this show, um, but I end result is a is a four reels for me out of five. You know, it's kind of interesting how <clears throat> Disney Plus has almost kind of become like the the Alcoholics Anonymous for properties that haven't gone well. Like this is their rehab. This like Disney Plus is how people kind of get over that. Um, you know, thinking about like the just totally stupid way that Boba Fett just falls into a Sarlacc pit and that's just the end of that character. Well, Disney Plus redeemed that. They brought him back. They kind of retconned that. Um, you know, people really hated Age of Ultron, but aspects of that film became interesting again because of WandaVision. Um, you know, the Thor The Dark World was hated, but you could kind of almost be interested in it again because of what goes on in Loki. You know, like there's, there's, there's all of these things that have happened on Disney Plus, and, and there's others that I know I'm not remembering right now that... Um, kind of make me want to go to some of these films that were were not good or not well remembered or not thought well of, um, and and for whatever reason, you know they kind of get they kind of get a little bit better shine because of something they do here. Um, speaking of Hayden Christensen, Hayden Christensen specifically, if he said, you know what, the, the fan base is too toxic, I just can't do it. I can't, you know, I, the memories are too bad. Um, I don't want I just can't bring myself to be a part of it. First of all, no one will blame him. Secondly, yeah. would it really change the show that much? Because what it would really, what you would lose is the scene of them training. Um, you, that's what you would really lose. You could kind of fake like the other stuff with him in the hood walking in, you know, you could, you could, you could get around that. Um, but that's what you would really lose. 
And I think I think you can write around that. So it wasn't it wasn't that this show couldn't have happened without it. Um, he he decided to come back to it, and he uh, was in favor of it, um, and it was a better show as a as a result of it. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. So. That'll wrap up uh, this review. But before we go, Rob, take the listeners through um, how they get in contact with Matt Goes to the Movies. If you have any thoughts about this episode or any of the previous episodes uh, that are on this show, how do they how do they do that? There are so many ways you can get in touch with the show. By the way, they're all appreciated. There is not a bad way to contact the show. The only bad way to contact the show is to not contact the show at all. If you are listening to this right now, be it through a pair of AirPods, if it's coming through your car speakers, or maybe you're listening through a uh, an Amazon Alexa or Google Home device, um, uh, yeah, you, I'm talking to you. Email the show, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. It's just the letters to the show, Matt Goes to the Movies, podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. What were your thoughts on this series? Is it everything you wanted it to be? Were you expecting it to be maybe a little grander? Was this trying to do too much? Is this now kind of putting a hole in Star Wars for you because of some of the things that were unresolved? You can also reach the show through Facebook. There's a Facebook group that you can get into. A lot of great discussion in there as well. Uh, You can also find the show on Instagram and TikTok. And while you're on the interwebs, while you're doing that, you can also head over to podchaser.com and leave a review for the show. Instead of trying to find, you know, you can get podcasts in probably like 75 different places now. And each of those has the opportunity to review a show, but you can't necessarily see them all in one place. So somebody who's looking to figure out if this is a show worth checking out, you can go to podchaser.com. Leave a review while you're there. And then when you're done with that, dear listener, head over to w.gg where you get to take extra money off of your order for some pretty cool energy powder that Matt and I both enjoy using with the promo code MGTTM podcast. Matt, how much do they save? So all listeners will save 10% off their order. Uh, I certainly have used that. I used it for my trip down to Syracuse before I got in the car and use it for my trip back. Um, you know, uh, beach and peach is my, my new favorite flavor from Dubby. So Go to that website, use that code, and yeah, you get 10% off your order. I thoroughly enjoy the uh, Dragonade. Uh, it's got a really cool lemonade sort of strawberry flavor to it. Um, I'll tell you what I really like is the fact that it's a powder. You can control how much of it you want. If you really need a big boost, put a whole scoop. By the way, a whole scoop is going to put you on the moon. So, you know, <laughs> start with a half. When you when you place your first order, start with a half until you figure out how much you need. But if all you need is just a little boost, it's 5 o'clock, you're starting to kind of drag a little bit. You just need a little boost, but you don't want like a whole cup of coffee. I throw in just a little bit of the powder. It mixes almost immediately in with water and is, uh, it tastes great too. And it'll get you just enough of a boost to get you through the rest of your day without keeping you up all night. So it's something that uh, I am happy to be affiliated with. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners, I will point out one other thing, uh, a, a change. Well, I shouldn't say a change. An update to Matt Goes to the Movies is uh, I have my first video review of Jurassic World Dominion on our YouTube channel. Uh, that is uploaded, and you can check out that video review for Jurassic World Dominion. Many more of those to come. And thank you so much for being on this journey with us. This has been you know, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, 
when everything was shut down, this was just something to do for fun. Uh, it certainly still is fun. It's caused Rob and I to have some great conversations, grow closer ourselves, uh, find Harrison from the basement binge. I'm sure a lot of listeners know him and, and just really have an outlet in times when you need one. So thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you for listening to these episodes, responding, reviewing, giving feedback. So until next time, we will catch you very soon. And Matt goes to the movies.